Welcome to Episode 7 of What Kind of Country. I'm Victoria Meakin, and I'm moving with my family to the beautiful country of New Zealand. It's 2021, and the world is still in the grip of the coronavirus pandemic, so myself, my husband and our two young children are governed by New Zealand's very strict managed isolation rules, meaning we'll be spending two weeks in a government-mandated hotel. And I'm delighted to say that I'll be dedicating part of that time to speaking remotely to some very generous Kiwis who've given up their time to help me answer the question, in 2021, what kind of country are we moving to? Coming up in this episode, I talk education with a primary school teacher who's a passionate advocate of progressive learning. Now we've reached the halfway point of this podcast and also our stay in MIQ. I've had a couple of questions about the practicalities of doing a podcast while in managed isolation with our two young children. Well, in short, they're pretty cool kids who generally manage to keep the noise down for the 20 minutes or so I'm speaking to our podcast guests. And compared to parents across New Zealand at the moment, we're not having to homeschool although we did experience that for a fair few months in the UK over the past couple of years. And the subject of schools brings me to today's interviewee. When the new Hobsonville Point Primary School in West Auckland opened its doors to students eight years ago, there were 21 pupils on its roll. Today, more than 800 children attend the first school in New Zealand to be built under a public-private partnership. The ethos of the school could be described as progressive placing students at the centre of learning with flexible learning spaces and staff working in collaborative teams. The aim is to prepare students for the future, a future that will look very different to the post-school experience that young people had in previous decades. At the heart of this is my guest today, the school's foundation principal, Daniel Birch, who has been at the school since its inception. Hi, Daniel. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. As usual for this podcast, I'm going to begin by asking you three general questions about your country. So firstly, can I ask, what is your favourite New Zealand beach? Uh, It's a a challenging question because beach is possibly my favourite place to be whenever I can be. But at the moment, my favourite beach is Murawai. Uh, West Auckland, black sand, wild, amazing beach. Um, as a family, we're we're members of the Surf Lifesaving Club out there. My son has competed for them for years, lifeguards for them as well, and it's it's a scary but incredible beach, and uh, always clears my head when I go there. Excellent. And my my second question, leading on from that, uh, where in New Zealand would you recommend I take my young family camping? Uh, there's a there's a small beach called Waipu Beach, which is north of Auckland, and it's got a delightful little camping ground right on the beach. You basically wake up, open your tent door, walk five paces, and you're on a lovely, clear, beautiful beach. And um, it's it's a great little spot, and there's a wonderful little pizza pub joint just down the road as well, so you can always get a beer. Pizza and pub. Okay, this sounds pretty good. Uh, Question number three. Can you name one thing that you think every visitor to New Zealand should experience? 
I think the, the thing that stands out for me about New Zealand is how close everything is. So a thing that, that I used to love doing when I was able and my body allowed me to be adventurous was that you could be at the beach surfing in the morning and you could ski in the afternoon. And mm-hmm. while it was cold at the beach, um, you know, th- things like that aren't possible in, in other places around the world. So I think uh, that sort of idea that whatever you do is close is is a, is a very cool um, cool aspect of New Zealand. Brilliant. Thanks, Daniel, for all those suggestions. They're all going on the list. Um, moving on to your role as foundation principal at Hobsonville Point Primary School. What was it about the setting up of this new Auckland school that made you want to be involved? There, there were a number of things. I'd, uh, I've been into uh, progressive education for a while. Um, and the, the school I was principal at prior to moving to Auckland um, had been hit pretty hard by the earthquakes. And my family was, was hit pretty hard by the earthquakes as well. And this opportunity came up and, and I'd learnt heaps from my colleagues and um, others around running a, a progressive school. And there were things I loved about um, the my previous school and there were things that frustrated me. And I wanted to reimagine again education. And when the establishment board and I talked about learning, we were on, on the same page. and they were very keen for this school to be something that that challenged people's thinking and that really drew me to it as soon as i knew that my employers were people who wanted to push the boundaries then i got even more excited i think this learning centered environment that uh, is at your school is also in place in other schools now in New Zealand and also internationally. Uh, when you have to describe the system to someone unfamiliar with it, what do you say? I think I say it's common sense. If And, and you'll know because you're in lockdown at the moment. If, mm-hmm. if, if you engage with your children in things that interest them, that challenge them and you support them through it, kids participate. And I think what tends to happen in school is that there's someone at the front barking orders or sharing information that may or may not be relevant or may or may not be personalised to the to the audience they're working with. And school's been like that for many, many years. And what we're finding in society is more and more kids are disengaged with learning. And they're disengaged with learning because they have so many different ways of learning themselves now. In my day at school, it was Encyclopaedia Britannica at the back of the classroom, and you were lucky if you had a page of information about something you might have been excited about. Now, you've got so many different ways of finding things out. So, for me, the difference is that kids are part of the process, that we have conversations with them, we treat them like people who want to be at school, who want to learn, and have the ability to do that in a way that works for them, not just in a pre-prescribed, it has to be done like this way. I know that you've had a lot of educators visiting the school who are keen to see your learning system in action. Is there one question or assumption about the way you do things at Hobsonville Point that comes up time and time again? Uh, probably not one. There's, there's probably plenty. Um, mm. 
I, I think what most people ask about is how do we do this? And for me, for me, it comes back to what's your vision for education? What do you truly believe education should look like? And whether you're a traditional school, whether you're a more of a, a progressive school, I think that, that question holds strong anyway. If the vision for the school is really strong and aligned and well thought out, and not just a, a traditional piece of Latin that's been around forever, uh, but something that's about who you are, I think that's okay. Um, I get frustrated when, when I work with schools that have a vision that's 150 years old and they go, oh, we can't do anything different because everyone will get really angry. It's not about dissing or, or taking away the vision. It's about reimagining what's possible within that vision. And so my challenge or the, the answer to the question, how do we do this, is make sure your vision is really relevant. I've read a description of the school supporting students to be future ready. What sort of qualities and skills do you think will be the most important to young Kiwi adults of, say, the 2030s? Uh, I think that's a really difficult question because we're, we're not making it up, but we're, we're assuming a lot based on what we've learned over the last 10, 15 years. And if you think about how society has changed... And then you think about the last 18 months with COVID being around, what sort of world are our kids going into? And it's going to be a really complex world. So if you take that notion that the world's going to be complex, what then do we believe is important? Well, I think collaboration is huge. The ability to work alongside people and learn from them, uh, challenge them, um, as a, as a group come up with wonderful ideas is, is important. I think resilience is really important and we're going to need lots of it moving forward and, and that's a hard one to teach because society isn't very resilient at the moment and um, parents are very concerned about their children and very concerned about their education so often try and save them rather than challenge them. So resilience is a key one. I think being a problem solver and a problem finder, um, entrepreneurial in a way, trying to look for solutions that no one's thought of. So we often talk about our dispositional curriculum being as important, if not more important, than the academic curriculum. Because mm -hmm. those are the tools and skills that you'll carry with you for life. You might not remember how to do quadratic equations, but you will remember how to collaborate with others because it's been a big part of your world. With the school having been operating for around eight years now, have you nearly seen the first full cohort or generation of children through the school from start to finish? Yes, we've had one child graduate who started <laughs> with us at five and finished with us at year eight. Because in your introduction, you talk about us having 21 children when we started. Of those 21, I think three were five. One of them mm -hmm. has been with us the whole time and two uh, moved out of Auckland. So we've had one child who's, who's done that, um, which is, doesn't give us much good data to go by. However, <laughs> you know, our kids uh, move on to our secondary school, Hobsonville Point Secondary School, which, which has a similar philosophy to us. And every year I go to the prize givings and the majority of prizes are given to our kids. And they're given to our kids for wonderful 
they call them their Hobsonville habits. So instead of all academic prizes, their prizes are all around being great people. And so our kids win prizes for being the most collaborative, being the most innovative, those sort of values, which, which I really appreciate, I think is great. Fantastic. And eight years on, and with the school at full capacity, what further ambitions do you have for Hobsonville Point? I think our challenge is, you know, when, when you're progressive and when you're trying to do things that are a little bit out of the box, staffing is always an, a challenge. Um, you get early adopters, and, and we've been lucky, we've kept the majority of our staff who started with us when we opened, and, and we continue to keep most of our staff, but teaching's not a very um, popular occupation, and it's it's challenging finding more staff, and especially finding staff who are willing to risk and change and do things differently. So. I'm lucky at the moment, I've got a wonderful staff. I worry as we continue to grow, which we will do, that it'll be continually harder to access quality teachers. So our next plans are we're about to build an extension, which will take our role from 690, which is what we've built for at the moment, um, through to 1200. So that extension will hold 800 odd kids, um, which will be an interesting interesting um, challenge having a massive build on the site while we still run the school. This is a more general question from a newcomer about the services and healthcare available to New Zealand children. I noticed uh, some schools on their websites talk about dental healthcare being offered or given to students. Is that standard across the country and, and what other care comes under the school remit? Yes, dental care is is standard. Uh, Eye checks and hearing checks are also part of of schools. So there's a dental van that has an area. Um, It may be different in rural locations, it may be a bit tougher, but for primary schools especially, there's a a dental van that will attend your school on a semi-regular basis and all kids go through and get a check-up. If there's issues with their teeth, then they get referred on to a more specialist centre. And then there's also hearing and vision. Um, people who will come around to your school and test kids if they need it. Um, and that's usually something parents request or teachers have noticed to get that done. And again, that's referred on if there's any issues. Um, there's counselling services which are growing and needed amongst young children. So secondary schools generally have a counsellor, primary schools not so much, but that's a growing growing part of our world as well. Um, and then there's, there's some special education services as well. And like everywhere, there's challenges with those because you know there's, there's not enough money to go around. So it's quite challenging to get special education help. Daniel, thank you for giving me all of that insight into into your school and your thoughts on learning. I'm going to return to a question, finally, that I ask all interviewees for this podcast, and it's, again, about New Zealand more generally. Can you tell me what one piece of advice would you give to a newcomer to the country who's just arrived and is planning to make a life here? I think the main thing is and I don't know how this will come across and I don't want it to come across as negative. Being new anywhere, I think, is always challenging. New Zealand is still 
reasonably monocultural, even though it's not. It's still reasonably monocultural in its outlook. It's still dominated by white middle class, um, a cohort of people who who believe they have rights. And I think what what I'm enjoying seeing now, and hopefully what you get to experience as a newcomer, is an engagement in our cultural history. So you may have noticed watching the news, there's more and more te reo being used. Listening to the radio, there's more and more te reo being used. The New Zealand history's curriculum is being um, mandated that we have to teach our wonderful history and our challenging history. And so as a newcomer, I would hope that you see that we're changing and we're growing as, as people and moving away from this sort of redneck type um, farming orientated let's get rich and live in the right location place to actually we're a wonderful race of people who have lots to give and lots to offer and I'd hope that newcomers would see that. Daniel thank you very much for your time I really appreciate it. No problem at all. My thanks to Daniel Birch head teacher of Hobsonville Point Primary School in West Auckland. What Kind of Country was written, presented and edited by me, Victoria Meakin. My producer in Christchurch is Bridget DeGoldi and our original music was written and performed in New Zealand by Corey Bezecki. What Kind of Country is a broaden-up production.